Welcome to Season 2 of For the Love of Farming. I'm your host, Tegan Moran, and this is a production of Oregon State University Extension Services, the Small Farms Program. In today's episode, I sit down with Beth Wynocki of Goodfoot Farm, a small family farm located in the Hoskins area of Kings Valley, Oregon, 20 miles northwest of Corvallis. What started 24 years ago as a 10-acre parcel with a single wide trailer and an acre and a half of blueberries has grown into a certified, biodynamic, diversified fruit and vegetable market farm that integrates livestock. They sell via a CSA and at the farmer's market. Beth shares her journey of self-discovery from plant pathology to farmer and community leader. I am grateful for her willingness to share her wisdom, her humor, and her systems thinking approach. This episode was recorded in January, 2023. Beth. <laughs> Good morning, Tegan. I'm really glad that you're making space on this gorgeous, sunny January morning to sit down and chat. Thank you for taking the time and for sharing with us today. Just to get us started, could you please introduce yourself, the farm? Where are we? Well, my name is Beth Wynocki. I'm at Goodfoot Farm, which is in western Benton County of uh, the western mid-Willamette Valley. We are uh, of western Oregon. And uh, we are nestled up against the west side of the coast range. And we have been on this piece of property for going on 24 years now. Uh, And we have a 10-acre parcel. We have an acre and a half of annual vegetables, a half acre tree fruit orchard, one and a half acres of blueberries, and uh, permanent pasture, some riparian areas, uh, and then the home site is also on the farm. We also did uh, recently purchase an additional 10 acres, just a couple properties down the road Ooh. that we will be adding to our farm system um, in the near future, hopefully. Needs a little work. And uh, yeah, and that will be part of our farming system. We have been here for almost 24 years, uh, but not farming that whole time. Um, We started dabbling in farming uh, in 2009 in annual vegetables. Um, We originally started with the blueberries, kind of selling and marketing the blueberries. Um, But when we purchased the farm, we didn't really have an idea or purchased the land. It wasn't being actively farmed. It had the blueberries on it. We didn't really know uh, what we wanted to do with it. And so um, we were, I was in graduate school at Oregon State at the time. My husband works, uh, did work and continues to work off the farm. And, uh, And so we started, as we settled into this place, to figure out what it would be. So yeah, part of that meant you know, building infrastructure and a place to live and uh, working other jobs. But yeah, over the years, uh, it has turned into um, a diversified market farm. We sell vegetables, fruits, uh, some eggs at the Corvallis Farmers Market and through a kind of a modified CSA program. We've been doing that now for 10 years. Um, and it definitely feels like we're in a little bit of a of a um, growing up and maybe growing out phase at this point. So that's been really interesting kind of this past season and perhaps post-COVID. Um, but yeah, we are um, a certified biodynamic farm. We're Demeter certified biodynamic. We are also certified organic. The biodynamics has been integral to our development of the farming system. Um, we started the farm with biodynamics uh, and I attribute a lot of our success to that method, that practice um, and approach, that intention to farming. So yeah, that's 
that's kind of where we're at right in this moment. Great. Just a couple of follow-ups. So when you say we, it's you and your husband that works off farm. And then do you have any farm labor as well? We do. Um, that does vary throughout the season. We have uh, one to two year round, part-time in the summer or part-time in the winter, full-time in the summer positions. Um, and then during kind of the bulk of the summer farming season, we hire up to about four additional people, mostly full-time positions, uh, full-time seasonal. Um, there has been some part-time work in there. And during this whole adventure enterprise, we also have children. And so they have worked uh, on the farm. Um, as they've grown up. And then do with the acre and a half of blueberries, we also hire a seasonal crew to pick those berries. And those are generally local kids. And Goodfoot, the name I always have to ask. (laughs) So I always have a mixed response to that question because uh, the truth of the matter is the name comes from a CD um, because it's the name of a band that a friend of mine sent me the CD of, and I was sorting CDs years and years ago, back when we all listened to CDs, and I had been thinking about a farm name, and I was like, Goodfoot, that fits what I was thinking. And so so that's where the actual name comes from. Uh, The intention behind the name is that, well, twofold. Um, I wanted the name to not necessarily represent a place, but an attitude or an intention. So the idea is that uh, it's a little bit James Brown, get on the good foot, you know, a little bit of funk, a little Mm -hmm. bit of, you know, let's have a, let's have a fun attitude about this. Mm -hmm. Let's dance, figuratively speaking, in our work. So that's part of it. And then the other part is, is that saying, you know, get off uh, on the right foot or something. Mm-hmm. So again, that intention of we're going to do the best job we can. We're going to do this the best way that we know how. Um, and we're going to do that mindfully and intentionally. Um, so again, it's what are we bringing to what we're doing in terms of our attitude and, and how it um, plays out in our actions. And then ultimately, um, you know, I feel called to small scale farming. Um, we do have tractors. We do have mechanization on the farm. But that image of the good foot, that we're in in actual physical contact with the land, that it's not just an idea, it's not just an intention, um, that we have that relationship, that intimate relationship with the land and the farm, but that we are literally connected to it by having our feet on the ground rather than be sitting in a tractor or a truck or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that slight separation. So, yeah. That's yeah. where it comes from. Oh, I love that. And for some of the listeners who aren't familiar with biodynamics, would you share just a little bit about it and maybe where people could learn more if they're interested? Biodynamics as a practice and as a uh, as a defined practice is uh, goes back to a series of lectures given in the 1920s by Rudolf Steiner who most folks have crossed his path uh, relative to Waldorf education, Camp Hill communities. Um, he also founded anthroposophy. You know, you hear things like spiritual science. But biodynamics was, uh, was his answer to the call at the time of uh, folks concerned with the vitality of the food system. And this is in the 20s, granted, also. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so biodynamics is uh, rooted in the farm, in the, in the concept of the farm as an organism. Um, and so the idea that an organism is, can be considered a self-contained entity, uh, and then how that organism operates uh, is a function of, of its inherent qualities. Uh, and the inherent pieces of the organism that operate. So the idea is that you have this more holistic system working in food production um, or fiber production. You know, I I describe it to people, you know, because people come to market all the time and what is biodynamics? Uh, So, you know, there's like the 10 second answer and then there's the two minute answer and then there's the, (laughs) right? So an easy way to you know, an easy way to define it, or at least that concept of it, is um, if you think of food production in a traditional conventional sense, um, it's a linear system. So whether you're talking organic 
food production or conventional food production. It's linear in the sense that you have inputs and you have outputs, you know, the food being the output. In a biodynamic system, it's more holistic or cyclical because many of those inputs are being generated from within the farm or within that farm organism rather than from off of the farm. And so uh, while you could certainly make the argument that on a very large or grand scale, you know, everything's being cycled, you know, for our immediate food production in a very local sense, the idea is you know, the resources that it takes to generate food come from within that system. So for example, we have a number of different animals on the farm. We capture their manures and compost them. So we're generating fertility from within the farming system. Mm -hmm. We actually use animals to help break pest and disease cycles. You know, those, those sorts of pieces. Um, we also, the, there's another component of biodynamics that uh, utilizes what are called the preparations. And those, those are, the preparations are made from animal, mineral, and plant components that are basically like medicine for the soil. It's a similar to a homeopathic approach. And uh, the ultimate, the goal essentially is to support balance on the farm. And the biodynamic, the practice of biodynamics is uh, generally framed within this idea of balance, a balanced system. And that uh, is linked to what we would call like a biologically diverse system. So, you know, most systems that are in balance are biologically diverse. And in, and in fact, in biodynamic, on biodynamic farms uh, and on certified biodynamic farms, biodiversity is a requirement. It's the only agricultural standard that actually has a biodiversity requirement in that sense. 10% um, of our land base must be managed um, as a biodiversity reserve. So most of, you know, just as the inputs coming from in the farm organism lead to a balance of the system, the, home, the, uh, the preparations also then are contributing to the balance of the system. So we apply the preparations um, and we make the preparations, or I make the preparations with the Oregon Biodynamic Group uh, down at Wintergreen Farm in Notai, Oregon, been the center for a lot of the Oregon Biodynamic Group activities. And then another component of biodynamics is um, what we would call uh, the cosmic influence. So the recognition that as earth creatures and in farming the earth, um, you know, we're farming a celestial body and that body is also in relationship with the sun and the moon and other planets. And so we try to pay attention to that or we're attentive to that in our practice and our relationship with the earth. And so we will use, uh, we'll use a calendar, a planting calendar to help help us structure our work on the farm. You know, I tell, you know, people will ask me about the calendar and I, I have to give a shout out to one of my mentors and friends and colleagues, Jim Fulmer, who um, is a neighbor and fellow farmer. And uh, I was asking him one day about the calendar and he was like, oh, the calendar's great until it gets in the way and then you put it down because ultimately <laughs> we have to get things done. Uh, and so that's, you know, I think, I think a lot of folks who get into biodynamics uh, worry that it might be dogmatic. And the whole point of biodynamics, uh, really, in my mind and in my experience, is it's to make uh, uh, farming easier. And so it's a system that is, support, is supposed to support our farming activities and intentions. And when it doesn't, um, or when you find yourself kind of stuck, you know, you're supposed to kind of put that aside. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, f and find your way, certainly, and get things done, because, you know, at the end of the day, if, if the food isn't on the table, you have not succeeded. Um, but yeah, there's lots of great biodynamic resources out there. Um, you know, biodynamics.com. I'm, uh, I'm involved in Demeter Association, which is the biodynamic certification agency here in the United States. The Biodynamic Association, which has been the national organization for biodynamics in the United States dating back to, I think, the 1930s. That group just recently joined with the Demeter Association to form the Biodynamic Demeter Alliance. Um, and yeah, we're hoping to advance the, the knowledge and practice of biodynamics because we think it can make a difference in this day of scary times. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for offering some clarity and some direction for people that want to learn more and you know maybe related to that and also just to unearth a little bit more about your path you've been here over 20 years 
but can you just share a little bit about how you stepped into farming and maybe what some of the key steps along the way were that got you here in terms of learning, you know, or, you know, did, did you work on any other farms before landing here? Uh, well, I grew, it's interesting because I sort of grew up farming and never thought I wanted to be a farmer. Uh, never actually never considered it. Like it never, it never really crossed my radar that that's what I would find myself doing. And, uh, I did work, you know, I lived, uh, basically in the woods and fields as a child, but, uh, started working and well, actually I did work as a on my neighbor's farm when I started when I was eight years old, uh, doing selling cut flowers at market. And that was, uh, yeah, that was my first market experience actually. And that was in Southern Illinois. Um, my dad later went to market also in Southern Illinois and I would help periodically with that as well. And then, uh, and then I found myself in college. Um, I was studying biology and, and through a friend landed on a farm um, out on Martha's Vineyard, actually, a small to mid-sized vegetable operation. Um, so spent a couple summers working on the farm. And again, it was uh, a summer job. It wasn't really a vocation, I would say. And, uh, and then after college was being um, a little bit of a bum, working, uh, working the ski season and the whitewater rafting season. And I uh, had a few weeks one spring where um, I had some a, an open window, you know, I was in between kind of my tourist seasons. And so I went back to the farm on Martha's Vineyard. It was Morning Glory Farm just for a short few weeks in the spring. Uh, and I was planting rhubarb, <laughs> transplanting rhubarb that spring. And uh, I remember because it was very much too, it was, you know, because when you're doing things, I think, you know, it's one thing to like sit around and have like an epiphany, right? Like something comes to your mind and there's like this other experience when you're doing something and something comes to your mind and then somehow, you know, the thing that comes to your mind and the activity of your body is, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's an interesting phenomenon. But anyway, so I had this phenomenon of while planting rhubarb that, uh, that I wanted to do farming, you know, like I wanted to do farming for a living. Like that's what, you know, cause I'd been out of school for a few years. I'd been working these jobs that were temporary short term jobs. So I had this idea that I wanted to do farming. So, uh, I was raised by academics. So my first impulse then was, well, I just go back to school. Right. So I decided I needed to go back to school to become a farmer, um, which is not necessarily wrong. Although there, uh, there are problems with that approach. Um, and there certainly were back in the 90s. And so, so in my quest to go back to school, I landed at Oregon State University in a graduate program in botany and plant pathology. And it was actually during my time at Oregon State that I figured out that, well, uh, I'm in this graduate program, but really I want to be a farmer. <laughs> and that's not what they're training you to do when you're in graduate school in the sciences, even in the applied sciences, right? And so, uh, so I figured out that I wanted to be a farmer and also at the same time realized that I wanted to stay in Oregon, much to the irony of my mother who had been trying to get me to move here for years. <laughs> but regardless, I was in a graduate program, figured out I wanted to be a farmer, um, at the same time, had met who would become my husband here in Western Oregon in Corvallis, and uh, and we decided to buy the farm. And so we did buy the farm, um, not really knowing what we were going to We bought the land, not really knowing what we were going to do with it. And so, you know, our lives were very, very busy as uh, I was still, he, he told me that, well, yes, let's do this, but you still need to finish your degree. <laughs> so I was like, Okay, fine. Very good advice. And I'm glad I stuck with it. Bought the farm and, and actually a shout out to my major professor who, uh, you know, cause you go to a graduate program and, you know, I can imagine as a mentor that you kind of want to see your, it would please you to have your mentee, um, follow the path that you have laid out for them. Right. And are supporting them on. And, uh, and she totally supported me in my non-traditional response to my university experience to this day. That's so that's, yeah, oh, huge. Yeah. 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 But anyway, we, uh, we, yeah, landed here on the land, 
we're busy. I was finishing a degree. He worked off farm to help support us. We uh, started, we had a couple kids in there. We had to build a house. There was an old trailer on the property, which made it affordable for us, but was not a uh, real viable living situation. And so, um, so yeah, we started kind of settling in here. And at about that same time, then as I was finishing my degree, I got into some part-time certification work at the time, stellar certification services, which was an NOP accredited certifier was here local. So yeah, so started working part-time in certification. They also, the sister organization of stellar certification services was the Dumb association, the biodynamic certification agency in the U S. And so actually I came to biodynamics through certification. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't know anything about it before then. I mean, maybe as an aside, you know, mm-hmm, like you just, mm-hmm. you comes across your view, but had to get trained, you know, from a certification perspective, uh, in, in order to do the work. And, uh, and that was very interesting actually to come at it from that side of it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and having just come out of a graduate program in, um, in plant pathology and science, so this was happening, you know, I was being trained in biodynamics, working in biodynamics certification. We had landed on the, the property and we're building um, and starting to consider what it would look like. And so then I had this other aha moment um, related to that. And that was essentially this moment where it really coalesced for me, like what my relationship with the farm um, was grounded in. It became very clear to me that my role with the farm was to facilitate the farm's expression of itself. You know, it was, it was okay for me to be, you know, to explore this idea of like, well, what do I want the farm to look like? Or, you know, what do, you know, you know, what do I want to be doing on the farm? Or, you know, how do I want to engage in this practice? And all those are very important things to consider um, and to act upon. But fundamentally, uh, to enter into those questions, really, first, you know, as a matter of, well, what is the farm? How does the farm want to express itself? Um, you know, and so that's relative to, you know, what are the resources of the farm? You know, what are these inherent qualities to the farm? And that's, um, that's what biodynamics is, you know, so biodynamics is about realizing potential. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about, you know, what are those inherent qualities? And how do you go about interacting with them, being in community and in relationship with them in order to realize the potential of whatever, of whatever it is, a farming system, an individual person, you know, a a community of people, uh, you know, so that moment really helped direct the, uh, what are we going to set out to do, um, with the farm. Building off of that a little bit, since you've opened the door. (laughs) What guides your decision making around the farm? Some of these values or how do you make decisions when you need to or how do you prioritize based on this overall view of the farm that you hold? So before I get into the direct approach that I take, um, I do have to make, you know, the disclaimer that, uh, the only reason that I or we are able to make this endeavor work is the fact that my husband works off the farm and supports us financially. Um, I mean, I also contribute to our household income, but ultimately that our farming system on this farm integrates off farm income to make it a viable system. Mm -hmm. And that's not that. And I don't, I don't want to value laid in that one way or the other. It is what it is. Uh, that in and of itself may or may not be sustainable depending on how you look at it. Right. And that's a whole other rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Uh, But generally, so within that framework, so making the assumption then that I am not the sole income provider to, to make the farm economically viable, the things that go into my decision-making on the farm, I would again, relate to biodynamics in the sense that uh, I take what I would call a, a head, hands, and heart approach. So the head being what knowledge do I have access to? So knowledge versus like training. So what do I, what have I already assimilated in terms of my knowledge base? What knowledge do I have access through to through the internet, for example, um, books, other people? Um, so how do I use knowledge, you know, as a to, to feed my decision-making, 
you know, the next one, the hands is like, what am I capable of? So what are the, what, what are not necessarily my own physical capabilities, but within our farming system, you know, the equipment we use, the tools we use, you know, what makes sense on our scale of farming, um, you know, what is kind of that appropriate use of technology, whether it's very low tech, you know, a hula ho, um, or, high tech in terms of, you know, a flail mower. So that's the piece of it. Um, so what makes sense within our farming system? And then the third one is that is that heart piece. And for me, that means um, how do I feel about the decision? So, you know, when considering, you know, if the assumption is I'm making a decision about something, so I'm considering a situation, whether it be a problem, it doesn't necessarily need to be a problem, but you're considering something um, to, in order to decide, well, how do I feel about it? You know, what, how, what resonates with me? And so, yeah, does it feel right or not? Um, and sometimes it doesn't feel right. Sometimes it's like, well, um, how wrong does it feel? Or how do I balance it with other factors that maybe I'm willing to give and take a little bit because it's all compromise. Yeah, always. Um, always a compromise <laughs> on all fronts. Well, I have to share that uh, before I ever met you, I actually saw you in a video where you were talking about the market farmer inside of Ooh, you yes. that you had to let out. Mm -hmm. And this was in relation to deciding, you know, what your market channels might mm -hmm. be or how you might sell. And, and I always appreciated that you had that direct line between, well, mark, farmers markets are a fit for me because mm -hmm. that's partially who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got that farmer market, you know, inside of me. Uh, and so I think there is that really important piece of who you are as the farmer uh, and how you fit in too, as well as honoring what the land is capable of. Well, thank you for that. And then from making those decisions, I'm just going to bring us back to here and now, uh, you know, over 20 years on the land and where you are with your business, having just purchased more land to potentially expand or rotate on. What is your main challenge right now or challenges that you're working through on the farm? That's a good question. I'm going to back up for just a second, mm -hmm. back to this whole decision-making idea. And uh, so one of the things, one of the exercises that I do is uh, part of the decision-making process, but part of uh, just relative to how I'm engaging in the farm and the farming activities is uh, I always have an exit strategy in mind, um, or I'm always considering an exit, you know, what would the exit strategy look like, right? Um, and I find this a very useful strategy, not because I feel like I need out or that it's like the way I find it. The reason I find it useful is that is it engages me in actively choosing farming um, as I do this, because because if, I, if I'm thinking to myself or carrying this idea with me of, OK, well, what's the exit strategy? Like, what's the alternative? You know, how would I what would it look like to leave this? I'm essentially choosing not to. Right. Because I'm helping help using that to help me guide my decision making. And so so that strategy becomes very important um, when you start looking at the challenges of farming, because you start because when farming gets challenging, it's uh, it's pretty natural to start thinking, uh, if not this, then what? And so that's you know, so I would say I do carry that with me in most of what I do just to kind of keep me and again, that's just a very personal choice of how I keep myself kind of engaged um, in the work. And so, you know, challenges of farming, I mean, uh, they are myriad. The challenges that I find most interesting and so tend to spend most of my time on are what I would call, well, all right, so this, this is where it gets hard because this is where it gets into semantics, for lack of a better description, right? So because we're going to talk about, well, what's sustainable, or what's regenerative, or what's, um, you know, what's the new hot term to describe what it is we do. And so, you know, the challenge is the ultimate challenge is to be farming is to keep doing it. And that means uh, you're healthy in mind, body and spirit, um, which also means that you're financially healthy. Uh, and, um, and that you're 
producing healthy food. You know, you're doing it in a healthy way. So it's not, you know, there's that immediate sense of how am I? And that is also related to how is the earth or how is my community? My biggest challenge across the board, uh, farming part of it, is uh, power and authority dynamics. And one of the things that really interests me about farming is uh, how is the how is farming as an enterprise structured relative to power and dynamic and power and authority dynamics? And I think uh, you know it's a very in general you know farming systems like any other kind of capitalist enterprise in this day and age is a, a hierarchical labor structure, right? In terms of who's making the decisions and um, and how the work gets done. And so, so that doesn't resonate with me. And, you know, and so I've tackled that on the farm here with some alternative labor structures. Uh, we've actually, we have adopted a, a method of management based on the book Holacracy by Brian Robertson. Robertson, I think that's who it's by. And so we've been implementing that over the past couple of years, which has been super fun challenging but fun and I think for me the challenge and now ongoing and continuing with that work is you know how do we uh, look at these systems and and how do we look at them as working for people so you know instead of the, the people working for the system to produce something in this case food how does the system work for the people because the people are producing the food you know the, this sure you could say the system produces the food but ultimately it's the people you know it's the farmer the farmers are producing the food uh, within the system so the system has got to work for them and for the most part and for food i mean in many systems at play in our society um, and you know because i'm in the food system uh, it doesn't work in my opinion um, it doesn't work for the people. And, and to be honest, at this point, it's not even working for the people at the top either, you know, yeah. the farm owners per se. Yeah. You know, so my interest at this point is, is playing with that, you know, um, and fortunately I have some freedom to do that. So yeah, you know, kind of divesting power and authority within the farm um, structure. I've started wrapping my mind around thinking of you know, I can, I referred to the farm as this organism within the biodynamic practice or method, you know, this idea of like the, the farm as a self-contained organism. Well, I've started to start, I've started to frame the uh, idea of the organization as an organism, mostly again, to kind of decentralize uh, the power, how the power functions within the organization. You know, so if we start thinking about an organization as an organism instead of a, of a hierarchy, and you might have hierarchical tasks or activities within the organ organization, but that is built upon kind of roles and functions of parts of it. It's not people per se. And so I'm increasingly feeling like, you know, the work I do outside of the farm so at the moment, that has to do with my work with the Biodynamic Demeter Alliance, um, you know, work with colleagues locally here, regionally, in food systems, other food system work. I'm involved in our local charter school uh, where my kids have gone to school, you know, so and those those are all that's all work done within communities and organizations. And so how do I approach that work um, with this idea of uh the organization as an organism and how does that function and how does it function for the people? Um, because I find myself less and less interested in engaging in hierarchical systems where um, very few people have the power. Um, and they could be the, the nicest, most well-meaning, you know, effective, productive, get things done kind of people. Uh, you could argue I'm one of those kinds of people. And uh, it, we've got to serve more than, than those few, basically. And when there's so much potential, right? I mean, there's so much human potential that we just have not tapped into. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really appreciate that connection between looking at the scale of the farm as the system and as the system that you have a role in and how that translates to the other systems within our community. The power dynamics, I mean, just looking within the food system and beyond. 
I also hear optimism. Oh, sure. And hope from you, which feels so good that you know, there is this sense that we can shift the dial. And that's so important. Well, and since people are a part of the organism and you are a part of that, you know, this next question is how do you take care of yourself? You know, how are you centering and honoring your own well being, uh, whether that be physical, mental? What do you do? to take care of yourself so you can keep farming. So in 2014, I began farming full time. Um, I would say about 2016 or 17, I had uh, one of those moments where, you know, it's like you get to a point in the season and, you know, we like to, it's basically like fire season. Not, I mean, now we literally have fire season. Back then, not so much. Back then, fire season was like, oh, like all of my farming activities are basically, we've reached that point in the season where we're just putting out fires. You just got to like stay ahead of the next <laughs> fire, right? Like that's, and you just keep going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's when it gets really stressful that, that part of the season, that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I just had this moment where I was just like, um, where I, if you weren't recording me, I would be cursing because I was at mm-hmm. the time, but it was like, okay, if I, if, the, if I feel like this, one year from now, so in one year from now, I'm telling myself to look back. And if I feel like this in one year from now, I cannot do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't do it. And so in that moment, and again, it, this actually comes back to that whole idea of exit strategy, right? So in that moment, I was like, so I better figure this shit out, right? Like, because otherwise, next year I won't be farming. And so um, fortunately, I am pretty physically capable. Um, you know, I definitely feel for people that have physical issues with farming. Um, it is terribly hard on your body. And one of the things that we do here on the farm is we stretch every morning as a crew. It's very important to me also that, that that's part of our culture. Taking care of ourselves is part of our workplace culture. Um, and uh, because we're a small-scale farm, we do a lot of body work. And we depend on our bodies, you know, as, as I'm bringing folks onto the farm as farm workers and training them, you know, the, the value is placed on them as the ultimate tool, basically. Um, they, you know, I bring people on and I tell them, I was like, you're not here to do grunt work. Uh, farming the way that we farm on a farm like this is a highly skilled occupation. And uh, in a number of ways, but one of them is your body. You have got to take care of your body. And um, so part of that is stretching as a whole crew. So that's part of it. That's the physical part. You know, the, the mental emotion, the, the mental and emotional health is a little bit trickier. Um, but also I find that again, uh, structure, um, I am a biologist by nature and training. And for me, structure and function go hand in hand. So, uh, you know, that being said, um, uh, I also remember a moment where I got to the end of the season, and this was not that very long ago. Um, oh my gosh, I got through the whole season and I didn't cry once. It was just like, wow, you know? And uh, well, then the funny thing was, is it was with the full realization that that did not necessarily mean I would not cry next season. Because I remember stopping in to visit a mentor farmer at another farm here locally. Uh, with many, many more years under her belt. And I showed up uh, and it was actually related, related to this. And I was like, I was like, Sally, guess what? And she looked at me and she was like, I cried this morning. (laughs) And I was like, no. (laughs) So uh, yeah, yeah, no, um, crying is a thing. It's a good thing on a farm. Um, uh, it's a healthy strategy actually for releasing frustration and, uh, emotional angst. Um, but it is also uh, something to pay attention to. Um, and so, uh, so to be honest, like I, you know, in terms of this, the mental and emotional well-being, um, again, it's like that pragmatic, well, if, uh, if I want to do this, I got to figure this piece of it out. Um, and so how am I going to go about doing it? And so for part of that, it's like, well, how do I, you know, what's important to me? And so, um, so, you know, for example, exploring, um, the labor structure on the farm, um, you know, like that keeps me engaged and farming, um, and appeals, you know, feeds that thing in me, uh, to, 
to help support keeping me farming. So finding those things, you know, I have a horse, I have my animals. Um, so finding those things that feed your soul, that feed your spirit too. Um, you know, all of those things, uh, you know, having the best friends to support you for sure. One of the things I absolutely cherish about our farming community here um, and the farmer's market, maybe one of the reasons why I love to go to the farmer's market uh, is not just to interact with the people who eat our food, but I get to go see all my like best friends who are also farmers at the market. And it's, you know, it's this really, I think actually it's a model that people need to look at more carefully of how do people um, be in competition and collaboration at the same time. Like to me, if we could figure that out, like that would lead to some really healthy organizations and systems because, you know, so tonight I'm going over to dinner at Rainshine. We're getting together to have dinner and Rainshine family farm. Um, they're also here. They're also at market, uh, very similar. They do basically what we do with their own special twist. Um, and we like to get together and talk about what we do. Uh, and so it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's important, you know, and the other thing is, uh, farmers get it right. Um, and so you have to be able to be in these like positive, healthy relationships with other farmers, um, because they get what you're going through because yeah, you need your people, all your people. Oh yeah. You need that community. You've mentioned in terms of making decisions, uh, accessing your knowledge base and accessing the knowledge you can, and you've just shared the importance of having farmers to talk about farming with, and you've mentioned mentors that you have in your life. You know, this question is about where you go when you need support or information about the farm. And so in addition to those things, or if you'd like to elaborate in one way or another, at this point in your farming career, you know, what are your main sources for help and support? Um, so my main sources for what I would call uh, information support, uh, you know, aside, aside from the Google search, right? Uh, you know, a more meaningful, and to be honest, so I have to, I also have to preface this with, I am not, I am not an enthusiastic adventurer of the internet. I can appreciate it for the, I think it's a beautiful thing for access to information. You know, assuming you can get on the internet, it, mm -hmm. uh, you know, anybody has access to that information. And that is a wonderful thing. Uh, that being said, it's not my go-to source for information. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it's a piece of it for sure. But my, you know, my favorite thing to do is sit down and shoot an email to six or seven of my favorite farmer friends and ask them what they do. And then after that, it's a couple of listservs, uh, email listservs, some of them supported by Oregon State and, you know, folks that you are involved with uh, to, again, that regional, you know, so, okay, this is my immediate farmer group. I'm going to ask them, okay, who's my regional farmer group? I'm going to ask them, uh, who's my extension service? I'm going to ask them mm -hmm. um, for resources. And so that's, uh, and then I will also go to, you know, as a commercial grower, you know, I'll go to seed reps for example. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I work with uh, Jim Myers at Oregon State University. And so when I start, when I want to start talking about CMS and broccoli seeds, I call Jim up, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, so there's, you know, I'd say the grower community and the university for sure, right around here. I would say in terms of the relationship piece of my farming practices, whether it's relationship to the land, relationship to the people I'm feeding, you know, the people who eat the food that we grow, uh, to some degree, my relationship with other farmers, but mostly, you know, uh, you know, my relationship to my role as a farmer, meaning with the earth and with the people who eat the food. It's uh, my, the Oregon Biodynamic Group, for sure. Mm -hmm. And within that group, uh, it would be Wally Via. 
uh, who is a, the retired farmer at Wintergreen Farm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, every time I get together with the group, the Oregon Beatty group, to make the preparations down there at Wintergreen, you know, it's like I, I describe it to folks that like Wally's that guy that will that will give you the answers to the questions you did not quite realize you had yet. <laughs> and to me, that's super fun. It's like, yes, I did need to know that, and I hadn't even gotten to the point where I like realize that I needed to know that. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And all of a sudden you have this answer that, that yeah, just is enriching. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like often a farm question is just like a tiny tip of a much larger, more complicated investigation. <laughs> and that's that everything's connected, right? Yeah. Yeah. appreciate that. Well, this is a nod to the Farmer to Farmer podcast. What's your favorite tool on the farm and why? <laughs> uh, okay, so I've already alluded to this, but my favorite tool on the farm is the human body. Mm -hmm. I think we are like this amazing, I mean, we're biological, we're mechanical, it's physical. It's like, it's the whole thing, right? And so, um, so I have to use my body on the farm. I have to use my body as part of what I do. Um, and so that's probably one of the reasons why I do farm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so how we use our bodies on the farm is the, is the thing that I like consistently consider and focus on in the farm work. So yeah, I would say the tool, that is the tool. Yeah. Um, other than that, you know, that's like, uh, that's the epitome in, in some sort of hierarchical structure. And then the rest is just kind of all down here. That is all sort of somehow attached. Yeah. <laughs> it's an implement, right? <laughs> exactly. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Beth, take you and put you in a time machine and send you back to go sit down and have some tea with Beth just accessing this land, knowing what you know now. Would you tell yourself anything? Would you give yourself any advice? No way. <laughs> no way, man. Be careful what you wish for. You, gotta, you know, I, I remember giving this talk to uh, some group a while back. I can't remember. It was through OSU, some group that OSU was organizing. And, uh, oh, actually, it came out of that whole growing farms thing, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like the part that whatever part it was I did, like the dream it part, mm -hmm, I think that's mm -hmm. that you referenced. So I got asked to give a little talk related to that to some, and it might've been a growing farms. And, uh, and so what I said to them was, you know, the, you know, the best way to make your dreams come true is to wake up, <laughs> right? You wake up and you get to work and it's a lot of work. Let me tell you. So you better be really careful about what you start dreaming about. And along those lines, be careful what you ask for, because uh, there are all sorts of unintended consequences. You know, could I have done it better? Oh, for sure. You know, knowing what I know now, I could have done it better. Um, that also means I'd be in a different spot than I am right now. And, uh, and that does not necessarily mean it would be a better spot. This whole series is called For the Love of Farming. What do you love about this? What keeps you going? What drives you? And I think you probably asked me like a year ago. For me to do this podcast, I was like, for the love of farming. It's like, what is that? For the love of farming. It's like, for Pete's sake, for the love of God. I was like, wait, where does that even come from, really? And, uh, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to ask Tegan because like, for the love of farming, that essentially to me is like this expression of disbelief and frustration, right? You've co-opted this expression of, oh, for the love of God, um, which is essentially an expression of, uh, you know, frustration or seriously, you know, skepticism, like all of those things. And I was like, you know, which totally made me start to laugh because I was just like, yeah, that's what farming is. It's, I'm doing this, you know? Uh, which is also, you know, the unexpected pieces of it, all of those things that happen that you never would have foreseen, else, um, like all of that, right? 
Uh, and so I would say, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I love farming because I love being in my body. I love, uh, the whole like mind, body, spirit connection, um, expressing myself through my physical activity, you know, my, like, I mean, I love that about farming. I, uh, I'm a total like systems person, problem solver, uh, and then I'm inherently pragmatic by nature, which, so I love farming because it just, I mean, it just, it allows me to, it's a venue for me to express what I would call my inherent tendencies and interests, you know? So ultimately I love it because that's what I'm supposed to do to realize my potential as a human being really, um, is essentially my contribution to the world is to realize my own potential. Um, you know, what am I capable of? Uh, and farming helps bring that part out in me. Hmm. Oh, that, <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> and I am just so grateful that you know yourself and that you are contributing in all of the myriad of ways that you are. And thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. You are welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of For the Love of Farming. You can learn more about Beth and Goodfoot Farm at goodfootfarm.com. We look forward to bringing you the next episode. Stay tuned.